0: On today's episode of Script & Style, Dave and I are gonna talk about conducting a successful post-mortem with your team. Welcome to the Script & Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. Today's episode is brought to you by TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. Know when errors hit your website with the context to find and fix bugs fast with TrackJS. Start your free trial today at trackjs.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Script and Style Show. I'm Todd Gardner from TrackJS JavaScript Air Monitoring, and my co-host, David Walsh, creator of the popular blog, davidwalsh.name. How's it going today, David?
1: I think it's going as well as both of our backgrounds right now. I think that's the, uh, the current mood. How about you?
0: You know, everything's, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We'll, nothing, we'll,
1: nothing wrong? Nothing's
0: that's wrong. That's good. Everything, we'll, we'll, get,
1: we'll get through it.
0: Well, it's quarantine week
1: three. It's hard to tell. All the days are like mashing; uh, they're all the same right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It all kind of blends together. I think we are technically in day two of the Minnesota quarantine order, but it's uh, we're already two weeks and two days into the social distancing order. Oh, okay. So, so
1: we're yeah, three weeks, two weeks. Who the hell cares at this point? Yeah. Um. What have you been doing to pass the time? Because it's sort of like you know, you're stuck at home. You know, there's only so many chores you can do, where I feel like in the end it ends up being gaming or streaming TV shows. What are you doing? How are you passing your time?
0: Uh, a lot of TV, to be honest. Uh, I wish I had more productive things to be doing, but uh, I mean, I, we spend probably. Uh, three or four hours a day recording, request metrics, uh, pairing sessions. Nice. Like it's, it's really exhausting doing mob programming. Like you get a bunch of people together, like working, even if it, though it's remote. Like your brain is just fried after three hours of that.
1: And, I can imagine.
0: And so uh, outside of that, it's been just binge watching TV shows. Like we watched uh, the Tiger King thing oh, on Netflix. God. Uh, and right now we're working our way through like Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is kind of fun. Uh, just finding, finding shit to watch. How about you, man?
1: We also finished Tiger King, um, one of those shows where if someone tried, if it wasn't real and someone tried to write it, it'd be immediately rejected for being too out there. That was wild. But sadly enough, I'm caught in the YouTube black hole again with uncensored versions of kitchen nightmares so it's just wall to wall me watching gordon Ramsay yell at people it's 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 quite fitting for these times actually i think but one of the things i like about that show is that in the end there's sort of a summary there's a come together that's a let's figure out what went right what went wrong and i thought that in the projects that i've worked on that were really um, big or really important we always ended with sort of a postmortem or a retrospective of all of the things that happened during that project, and I thought it would be great to talk about here.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Like, all really big projects, the really big successful projects that I've been on have done uh, post-mortems or retrospectives of some kind, and, uh, and not always have they been done properly or well. So I think, it's, uh, I think it's a good topic for us to talk about today. Awesome. Cool. Let's jump into
1: it. Um, so, what exactly is a postmortem or, or a, or a, you know, what I guess I'd call a retrospective? For me, it's a time when the project is wrapping up or completed that gives. Uh, it's like a meeting that gives everyone an opportunity to, I guess, air grievances, um, talk about what went right, what went wrong, what did we learn during this, both individually and as a team, and essentially what we can do moving forward um, to improve processes. So that's like, that's a rough sketch for me. Is is that sort of like the the same way that you see them?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, every project is a little bit different and and because every team is a little bit different and every tech stack is a little bit different. Uh, And so in order to get, you know, the best use of time and use of people, In building something you need to like adjust your processes a little bit and and change how you're working together and how you're building things and the design a little bit and so uh, having a process where you talk about like what's going well what's not going well and how you're gonna fix it and be explicit about that can really uh, can really help make a project kind of turn around uh, if it's not going well or get better if it's already going going okay cool yeah so like diving into into i guess
1: why they're super important and not just what they are um i think that in my experience there have been times where over the course of a project you real, you realize this isn't going great or this didn't go great um and so it's really important that toward the end of this project you're able to properly Air your grievances. I don't know about you, but I've been on teams or on projects where, over the course of the project, due to you know either personal clashes or um, someone's individual work being successful or not being successful, and you're waiting on this person or waiting on that person, or communication has been clear. I've been in projects where there's been resentment over the course of the given project, and A retrospective for me means that all of that air needs to be cleared. It needs to be, you know, said out loud insofar that you can, I guess for lack of better term to squash any sort of beef to chat it out um, because you don't want that stuff moving forward into different projects. It could be with a fellow engineer. It could be with your manager It could be with, you know, people three levels up for your manager or an outside vendor. I think it's really important that things get said out loud to prevent those types of problems.
0: Um, That's easier said than done, man.
1: It is. And it takes courage, right? But I think that that one tip that I can give right away is to create a good environment where that's welcomed, right? So you whether you're going into a virtual room or into a meeting room um you need you don't want the air to be super thick right away right so whether you throw like coffee on the table or donuts or um everyone creates a fun background image like we have right now um i think it's really important to set the stage so that everyone feels like they can talk
0: yeah without without
1: without getting it without going very south very quickly, if that makes sense.
0: And in in that kind of vein, some of the most effective retrospectives that I've ever been a part of where there was beef that needed to be outed um, happen at the bar. Like, you, don't do it in the office. Don't do it in the place where, like, you do your work. You need to kind of be in a separate physical space than where you normally work. to so get your head out of, like so that you can think meta about how the project is going and not be just doing another chore as part of the project and going to the bar can actually be like really helpful, both mentally uh, to, you know, separate yourself from the, the normal workday, and also chemically that, you know, you just, you know, loosens people's <clears throat> people's tongues a little bit and get them to spout the truth.
1: I think, yeah, I think that can be effective in a, in a, like a smaller team, obviously in a big team, a remote, well, actually remote, it might be nice to maybe have it toward the end of the day where, you know, people aren't stigmatized by having a beer, <laughs> not like 9am. But yeah, I, th- I think that like you said, that's a pretty good environment to maybe relax people. And I, the other thing I like about having this retro outside of an office per se, is that it lets people sort of be themselves a little bit, maybe dress themselves a little bit, maybe, I don't know, just, just be more, more of themselves and more relaxed um, because an office environment can be kind of stuffy, um, if that makes sense. And if you're at a home office, I guess, you know, rather than, than sitting where you usually do to you know, meet, like go outside, sit on your front porch and just sort of relax yourself. I think that that's really important. Um, I think another thing that really helps a retro is that you need to talk about both the negative and the positive. And in my experience, it's always been best to do the negative part first. Um, so that toward the end of the retro, you you know, you're talking about the positive and people can leave the meeting, I guess, in a higher spirit than walking away being you know just freshly being reminded of everything that went wrong Mm. Um, so so doing the negative part is is is, first is important but it's important to time cap that negative part so that there's time for the positive Um, because I've been in retros for example that were scheduled for an hour and an hour and a half later people are still screaming and yelling or upset about something and you can just see on their face that they're still stewing. It's really important that you time cap the negative part. Um, Not so much that you can't get all everything that needs to be said out, but so that you can make sure that there's time in that retro to get the positive out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You definitely need to talk about, about both sides of this, but one of the things I think is important is that a retrospective is not a one-time event. It's not like you do this once at the end of your project or once when things got really bad. You need to do these regularly. If you're in a, a team and and you don't have like a natural a natural tendency for self-improvement, um, you need to like get these on a schedule regularly, like monthly or every two weeks or whatever is appropriate, um, so that you can you know, talk about like what's going well and what's going poorly and address those things. And uh, by doing this, this regularly, you don't have to boil the ocean. You don't have to solve every problem that's happening at the same time. In each retrospective, um, just identify what the biggest hurdles were since the last one. What were the biggest things that that stopped you from being effective or the biggest things that you thought went really well and address those focus on, on the biggest problems first, because if everybody knows that there's going to be another retrospective coming, then, then they don't feel like their pet issue has to be addressed in this meeting. You can focus on what do you think the biggest thing is? Um, And there's some, there's some ways you can do that. Like you can do like, Uh, on a team that I used to work in we had like a a, like a formal process for how we did retrospectives Uh, like everybody would write on a note card like on a post-it note uh, something that they thought went well or they that went poorly and they'd stick it up on uh, on a whiteboard under you know what went good what went bad and then everybody would just have uh, like so many votes that they could like reinforce other people's issues and we would only talk about like the top three issues on either side if it didn't get the top three votes then it was really only important to a subset of people that time and uh and it wouldn't get addressed until a future future go and i think that really helped the team that wasn't you know natively good at at reflecting on itself it really helped us um kind of it was like training wheels to start thinking this way and as we grew as a team uh, we needed to do that less and less like eventually it just kind of became a natural thing and we could just talk Uh, but at the beginning when it was hard this ritual was uh was helpful to pull out conversations
1: that's a really good idea and a really good point to you know not let a project go south or i guess unchecked from, you know, until the end, but having maybe like a sprint retro or a milestone retro and then like an overall project retro postmortem.
0: That's
1: a, that's a really good idea. Um, That gives you time to, you know, cut out, like you said, some of the stuff that's not working, change things. Um, And having that regularly, I think gives people an expectation um, that things could change over that certain amount of time. that they aren't people aren't surprised when someone comes out of the blue it's it's like a constant conversation about how to keep things I guess on track and how to fine-tune things so that everything um goes as it should Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's awesome um you also had spoken to me in the past when we talked about retrospectives about making things um, blameless. could you like dive into that a little bit more? How, how do we how do we keep things blameless and, and not sort of finger pointing?
0: Uh, well that's that's a little bit of cultural, right? Um, I think keeping a retrospective or postmortem blameless is really important. Um, like it, in fact it's like the most important thing. If you can't go into it without the uh, notion that you're casting blame on somebody, Um, then you shouldn't do it at all because all you're really doing is like publicly shaming one or more people on your team. And that's just incredibly unhealthy for the culture and for, um, for, for everything in general, you're going to like make that person or those people feel uncomfortable. You're going to make everybody else scared to fuck up in the future. Um, There's just nothing but downsides to doing that. So if that is your intention with holding a retrospective is that you want to call out, bill for being a jackass last sprint, um, then you have totally the wrong motivations of doing this. Uh, the motivation of, of doing these things successfully is to um, is to improve the day-to-day workflow of your project so that everybody's happier, everybody is more productive, fewer things are, are blocking you, uh, the good things go better, the bad things don't happen and you and you and you succeed um and in order to do that you need to be able to say you know what when when joe you know files a ticket in my system uh or files a ticket for a bug uh it would be really helpful if he would include you know x y and z so i could understand what what was really going on uh you need to like phrase it like that like like the bill didn't do something wrong even if like even if the system was like already asking for that information and he just wasn't doing it, you need to phrase it in such a way that like, Hey, these things are there for a reason. Why isn't Bill filling them out? Is it too, is it too onerous? Is it like, does Bill not know about this these pieces of information? Is it too hard to collect it? Is it too hard to populate it? Um, But get to a, get to a point where you can talk about the actions and not about the people. Because if you blame people, everybody's going to be scared that they're going to be the next one to be called out.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Going into a post postmortem where it's sort of finger pointing and naming names, like you said, um, and shaming is incredibly uncomfortable. And it's one of those things where you see one of these retrospectives coming up, and you like want to take PTO, or you start like mentally getting yourself worked up before the meeting even starts, or someone's even said anything I think that like you said language and the way we talk is really important instead like even if one person is responsible for one thing and there's a problem there I always like using the term like we or us so that that person feels less attacked even if the message that I'm delivering is positive um because I think using the we always reinforces team um and it's just sort of, I guess, a, a, lighter, a lighter language, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and so that's really important. You also need to, to, it's kind of a personal thing when you're coming into a retrospective, but you need to approach it with the belief that everybody is trying to do the be- their best. Everybody is trying to do the right thing that if you come in with that with a belief that somebody is intentionally fucking up, that is not a retrospective problem. That is like a HR kind of problem. Right. Um, but if you're holding a retrospective, you have to do it with the belief that everybody is trying to do the right thing. And the root problem is that we don't have a consensus of what the right way to accomplish it is. And so it's not that anybody is wrong. It's that nobody has a complete picture of all of the inputs and outputs of their, their work. And we need to share it with them. We need to, if, if somebody's doing something that's making it harder downstream, they need to know. If somebody's doing something, and, and if I could be 10x more effective if I just knew a little bit more about my system, the people who provide that need to know um, so that we can all just do a, bit, a better job of providing the information that we would need to be more effective.
1: Cool. So we sort of spoke about how we need the environment to be sort of um relaxed. It needs to be welcoming. But I do think there's a place inside retrospectives and postmortems where we need to sort of formalize things a little bit. Right? Um, like I said, we try and keep I try and keep the negative up front so we can leave with a positive. Um, There's a couple of things when I think of formalizing these um, that I think of outside of the negative and the positive. First, it's that everyone that is involved with the project to like a medium to large extent should be invited. If we start leaving out certain people, they're gonna feel marginalized on the project. It might demotivate them. It may make them feel um, slighted, like people might be talking behind their back, so to speak. And so, I think it's really important to get the same people um, in these retrospectives so that they're always aware, and you know they don't they don't feel any personal negative hostility. The second is maybe the most important for me, and that is when it comes to negative items that come up, they should be one written down, not to call anyone out, but just to make sure that everyone's aware it's just like writing i'm sorry saying things out loud, but more importantly. Anything that comes up that is negative, I think you need to leave that retrospective with a a documented set course of action, something that you're going to change to ensure that that negative thing does not happen again.
0: Yep. You need a plan. You need to come out of it with a plan of what are you going to do differently in the next chunk of time? to prevent that bad thing from happening or to reinforce the good thing. And uh, and often this should kind of end up in your work tracking system. Like if it's something that you need to do, uh, maybe you should have a story or a ticket or a backlog item or whatever that is either accomplish that thing or just as a, a zero hour reminder assigned to everybody that like this is a thing, this is a changing process that's new for this period. Uh, that we're all going to do just to keep it top of mind for everybody.
1: Right. And, and we also don't need to, you can't rely on every um, intended solution to work every time. So it might be incremental. It might be a big change to make something work better, but it's just sort of a, I guess, trying to push things in the right direction. If it works, you say, Hey, it worked at the next retro. If it doesn't, you make um, you just, for, for more changes. Um, how else do you formalize your retros? Or what Uh, else do people do, I guess?
0: Well, so there's lots of, of literature out there. Like if you look at, at any of the agile doctrines, big A agile, not, not little a agile, (laughs) but if you're, if you're following like scrum or, Crystal or in any of the like de- lean any of like the big like the defined process frameworks they'll probably have a ritual already kind of baked in about like what is a retrospective for them, how do you go about doing it that sort of thing and there's lots of literature online about about how to do that, but ultimately all of these things are training wheels to get you to talk as a team um, so the ultimate goal that you're trying to get to is that you can just have these conversations plainly with your team as soon as something is going wrong and what you're going to change. Uh, and this works best in small, um, small teams that trust each other really, really well. Uh, if you are a large team and there's not like an inherent trust built between everybody yet, that's where you need, uh, where you need these processes in place to help basically train you on how to work together effectively. And so, uh, the process I described earlier about like note cards and stuff like that, that was super effective. Uh, we needed like a leader. There was a a person who was in charge of the retrospective every time. And it was their job to essentially they didn't participate if they were in charge, they were like the facilitator. So they'd be like, all right, we're going to do five minutes of everybody writing down what their problems are. If you can't figure out what it was in five minutes, then it's probably not that important anyway. Then we do like five minutes of voting and I don't remember exactly, but like, everybody got a certain number of votes that they could spread out over what they wanted to talk about. We would tally it up. And then we would divide the remaining time to be uh, we'd spend half of it talking about the good stuff, half of it talking about the bad stuff and just kind of go in order of whichever topics got the most votes. And I think that's pretty common. I've, I've seen that a couple of places before. Um, but ultimately you're trying to make that unnecessary. So, uh today, like my team on track, gs we don't do formal retrospectives because we don't need them anymore uh, when something's going wrong, we almost always like bring it up right away and like when something is like kind of breaking down between us we'll we'll talk about it in chat or we'll talk about it in our weekly meeting. Occasionally, I ask the question explicitly during like our board meetings at the bar. Like after everybody's had a couple of cocktails, I'll throw out there. So, you know, so how's everything going? How do you feel about how things are going? And, and we can out anything that people are, are holding on to. Um, but we don't need the formal process anymore because we've worked together so long that you, we, don't, we don't need the ceremony. So don't go into it thinking that the ceremony solves the problem. The problem is that you need to talk honestly with each other about how to make it better and faster the process can help you get there if the trust um, and collaboration aren't there yet.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I I think that one word with, I think a lot of people see retros as inherently negative uh, because uh, I think a lot of people think about the negative more, but I think that trust is a really important factor in a really important um, necessity to keeping a team together and a project going really well. Um, and especially keeping a retro. Uh, yeah. going really well.
0: Did you so guys do a, a postmortem at the end of this, uh, at the end of this last project? Is that why you're, you were wanting to talk about this today?
1: Well, I mean, part, part of, part of my experience at Mozilla, for example, has always been, you do whatever works best for the team. So when I, was on DevTools. Uh, My small team had a retro every Friday morning. Um, Right now on the team that the Mozilla mobile project, we have one every two weeks. I've had retros that have gone on um, only at the end of a three month project. But one thing that I'm sort of realizing as you and I talk about this, is that there's no blueprint, or I should say there's no like set way that you need to do a retro right? There's no set time, there's no set place. Um, What's most important is people are able to talk, keep their projects on track. And I think that our, you know, viewers and listeners need to do what fits best for their team in order to succeed with their retro and keep their projects, you know, pushing forward. I think that's what I've come out of here with.
0: Yeah, so that's a really good, that's a really good takeaway um i think we covered all of our all of our bases yeah like
1: i said i i felt bad like i wanted to come here at the end and be like all right here's what you need to do this 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 and this but you know i sit and do mine remotely a lot of people sit in an office building physically and and do their retros and you go to the bar and through all of these sort of methods or you know yeah methods they're all, you know, have the ability to be successful if you trust each other.
0: Yeah, trust is is the red problem. If you don't, if you don't trust each other, nobody's going to be honest enough to uh, to really expose the problems that they're seeing, or to or to share things in a way that they feel like they're not going to get blamed for it. So um, it's kind of a prerequisite, or you need to you need to develop that. Uh, by showing that you can do a retrospective without blame. Uh, and you'll probably just do small things, like small unimportant things uh, until the trust develops. But if you do those and you do them effectively, uh, people will share their real thoughts eventually.
1: Absolutely. Now, I know that we just mentioned sort of our overall ideas, but I do want to go takeaways because it's tradition.
0: All right. Let's on the do podcast.
1: I'll go first. Um, one of my takeaways is I'm sort of realizing right now how hugely important that retros are. Um, retros have always been a place where I have found the courage to speak up, um, with my teammates because you don't want to sidetrack other meetings or, you know, there are times where you're like, I just don't want to deal with this right now. Retros are that time. They are important. And I think that if, if someone is on a team where they aren't doing retrospectives regularly, I think that they should speak up with their colleagues, with their project, product, their manager, um, and make sure that those start because they're incredibly important. Um, and they sh- and people shouldn't be afraid to, to have them or speak up at them um, because that's the perfect time for things to change. How about yourself? What's your takeaway?
0: Um, I guess it's not really a, a takeaway because this isn't something that we talked about during the episode, but it's something that occurred to me uh, while I was absorbing what you were saying just now is that if you're starting on a new team and that team doesn't really have um, a workflow kind of established or a process established, you're building something new or a new team, a retrospective is probably the most important um, thing to put in place because from an effective retrospective, anything else you need to do can come out of that. You can build it based on what the team thinks is going well and what's going wrong. You can add all the planning activities that you need, all of the checking activities you need, all the testing activities you need can emerge from the problems that your team sees during a retrospective. So please don't like leave that out until you are already up and going that should be the first thing the first kind of practice or ritual that your team starts doing totally agree that'd be my takeaway all right anything else before we wrap this show up this is fine (laughs) this is this is fine we're we're still in quarantine everybody stay in a good mood uh we'll see you next time with another topic if you have ideas for us or you'd like to chat with us Uh, please let us know. I'm at Todd H Gardner. I'm at David Walsh blog. This is fine. Goodbye. The Script and Style show is recorded and produced by David Walsh and Todd Gardner. We'll see you next time on Script and Style.